Welcome to the Fitness Drifter Podcast. My name is Abby. In this podcast, I try and focus on body confident health, fitness, and wellness for men. So we talk about things like body image, body positivity, eating disorders, diet culture, fat phobia, and how to navigate these and how to have a healthy relationship with food and exercise and look after both our mental and physical health. We're coming up to that time of year where we're changing seasons. We're going from, I'm in the UK, so I'm going from summer into autumn, which will eventually lead into winter. And, you know, I generally suffer from a little bit of low mood at this time of year. I think days get shorter, there's less sunlight, it's colder, it's rainier, it's less, there's less direct sunshine, there's more gray, it's a bit duller. And sometimes that is just winter blues, and then sometimes it's also called seasonal affective disorder, or SAD. It's sometimes referred to as winter depression, because that's when it tends to be more common, but it can happen with both summer and winter. And seasonal affective disorder is a form of depression that you'll experience during some seasons or times of the year in particular. So for me, it always happens around this time of year, end of September leading into October. Then I'm usually fine from October to Christmas time, and then it happens again to me in January. And this is kind of very predictable. It's been consistent for a few years now. In terms of symptoms of SAD, I'm just going to quote directly from the NHS website here. And I've included a link in the show notes if you want to have a look at it yourself. But some of the symptoms include a persistent low mood, a loss of pleasure or interest in normal everyday activities, irritability, feelings of despair, guilt, and worthlessness, feeling lethargic or lacking in energy, and sleepy during the day, sleeping for longer than normal and finding it hard to get up in the morning, craving carbohydrates and possibly gaining weight, difficulty concentrating, and decreased sex drive. So those are some of the symptoms, but generally, you know, with low mood, you know, you'll be feeling a little bit sluggish, a little bit lethargic. You won't necessarily be as happy or as excited about things as you might during other times of the year. I go through periods of feeling guilt inexplicably, and I don't know why, so I associate it with this as well. Everyone who's affected by it does have slightly different symptoms and will react and cope differently as well. Now, before we get too far into tips on dealing with seasonal affective disorder, I do want to touch on one very important point. As this is technically a form of depression and therefore a serious mental health condition, if you suspect you have it, please do speak to a professional. You can reach out to a mental health support group, you can reach out to your GP, you can reach out to a mental health charity, but definitely do speak to someone. Nothing in this podcast is medical advice and 100% of the time, please speak to a trained or qualified professional if you are dealing with any of the issues mentioned here. All I can do for my end is provide a few self-help tips on dealing with some of the symptoms that I've either tried myself or that I've researched elsewhere and nothing that I say should be seen as a diagnosis or treatment that substitutes any actual medical help. In terms of tips for dealing with seasonal affective disorder, I've got a few written down. Some of these I have tried myself and found very effective. First up is bright light therapy. This is where you have daily exposure, usually inside, to a bright light that mimics daylight. According to the Wikipedia page, it can also include spending time outside, but for the purposes of this podcast, I'm going to focus more on inside. A 2017 study did note that bright light therapy is one of the go-to treatment options for SAD. It usually involves exposure to a bright light that mimics daylight. In the UK, you can get bulbs that are actually called daylight bulbs. So to explain what daylight bulbs are, most sort of normal indoor lighting, which has a sort of soft white kind of yellowy tinge. In terms of brightness or in terms of color, they're 1500 to 2000 Kelvin. So they're warm. They're sort of a warm white. Daylight ones tend to be more sort of a pure white and go up to five or 6,000 Kelvins. And I couldn't find an exact quote, but I read that sunlight normally is 5,000 Kelvins or higher. So that kind of range. And the idea is that you mimic daylight, your brain produces less melatonin, which is a hormone that makes you sleepy, and produces more serotonin, which is one of your happiness hormones. And I'm quoting this directly from the NHS website. But because of that, you're less sluggish, you're less, you're less lethargic, and your mood improves. In terms of time of day, when you use this, so what I tend to do is I just sort of use this light. When I get up in the morning for 20 to 30 minutes, I just have it on and just let it do its thing. I read one article which suggested doing it first thing in the morning just to help you wake up and get your day started off on the right note. But to be honest, given that we're all different, sometimes it can also be wise to just play around and see what works best for you. 
So that's bright light therapy. If you're indoors, it's just basically 20 to 30 minutes exposing yourself to a light source that mimics daylight and can also include spending some time outside. Next up is a light alarm clock. So continue with the theme of light exposure. A light alarm clock, sometimes called a wake-up light, a sunrise alarm clock, or a sunrise simulator, is thought to help too. I have personally been using one since 2015, and it has had a hugely dramatic impact on how easily I wake up in the morning. The way it works is that it gradually brightens over a period of time to help you wake up gradually. Of course, with an audio alarm clock, it just kind of switches on very suddenly and wakes you up very suddenly. And you might be a little bit groggy and a little grumpy when that happens. What a light alarm clock does is that it brightens gradually to full brightness. So mine is set to 30 minutes. So it switches on very dull. And then over that period of 30 minutes, it gradually gets brighter until it reaches full brightness. And once it reaches full brightness, my eyes have already gotten a bit more used to brighter light. So it started to wake me up. And then an audio alarm, which is birds chirping, kind of fades in. So I have a very, very gentle wake up. And for the time I wake up, so I normally start my working day at five in the morning. It has made a hugely positive difference. It's, it's been, it's been very dramatic. Just, I can wake up and I feel energized and I feel refreshed. And that's regardless of what time I've gone to bed or how good or bad my sleep was. I always wake up consistently feeling good um, when, I, when I use my light alarm clock. Next up is vitamin D or vitamin D if you're in the US uh, supplementation. So vitamin D deficiency has been linked to depression. Until recently, studies were fairly mixed. In July 2022, a study that was published in Critical Reviews in Food Science and Nutrition found that vitamin D supplementation equal to or exceeding 2,000 individual units per day may help reduce depressive symptoms, although they did note that results have low certainty. So it's still not guaranteed. It's still not definitively proven. But yeah, there are, there are some studies that do suggest vitamin D supplementation can help with symptoms of depression. This isn't my area of expertise, but my understanding is that exposure to sunlight does produce vitamin D. So when it's darker and when it's gray, you're not getting as much direct exposure, you are going to be short of vitamin D as well. So that's why supplementation can help. Studies around nutritional supplementation generally tend to be more limited than, say, something that's gone through a full three-phase clinical trial. So we are limited in the resources we have, and I can make specific recommendations on taking supplements, but I personally do take around 5,000 individual units of vitamin D per day. And I haven't tracked changes closely enough to really make a call on whether it's had a massive positive impact, but I know it definitely hasn't had a negative impact. And I do focus a lot on my physical and mental health. So it could be other things as well contributing to, to that. Next up is brace yourself without wanting to sound like I'm saying to just suck it up. I have always personally found that some mental preparation and planning for the darker and bleaker winter months does give me something to look forward to, and it does help me out a lot. And if you look at that time of year, there can be a lot to look forward to. So you've got Halloween, you've got Thanksgiving if you're in the US. I'm Hindu, so Diwali normally falls in that time of year. If you're in the UK, you've got Guy Fawkes Night on the 5th of November. I have my mum's birthday. I have my birthday in November. You have the build up to Christmas. You've got Christmas itself. One of my friends loves Christmas markets, and of course, you might have other Christmas parties as well. I also try and plan travel or one or two holidays in this time. January is probably my least favorite time of year because all of those sort of end of year special occasions have gone and there's not really anything to look forward to in January. So this time, so in early 2023, I'm looking at trying to spend it in Asia somewhere. I'm in a very, very privileged position that I can look at planning something like that, even with everything else going on in the world. But hopefully that's my plan. And then hopefully when I come back, the weather in the UK will be a bit brighter and a bit milder as well. But I mean, so those are all very sort of holiday specific, but then if you look at other things, you know, you've got Christmas parties, more social events, time with friends. One of my friends loves pumpkin spice lattes from Starbucks. One of my other friends says that their favorite thing is cuddling up in under a blanket with their partner and with the movie on. That's their favorite evening thing to do in the autumn and winter. If you know that you get SAD at specific times of the year and trying to slot in things that you look forward to, so whether it's holidays or new experiences or activities or traveling or that kind of thing, trying to slot those into the times of the year that you generally don't look forward to, it can be an awesome way to make things feel a lot more enjoyable. 
So I guess what I'm trying to say is you can sort of brace yourself and prepare yourself at the same time. We can't control the weather in the place we live and time will march on. So all we can do is try and put more enjoyable things in that time. All right, next up is find a routine that works for you. And this again ties in with light exposure, like I already mentioned. And if you can, try and get outdoors when it's bright outside, even if it's just for a little while. A few years ago when I worked in an office job, in winter I used to be in the office when it was dark. I'd leave when it was dark and it was, and I was always cold, so I stayed indoors at lunchtime as well. What that meant was that I wasn't outside in daylight from Sunday afternoon until the Saturday morning of the following week. And no wonder I felt miserable. No wonder I felt like my health was uh, dropping. No wonder I felt a bit depressed. Even if it's cold or cloudy or raining, as long as it's safe for you to spend some time outside, try to get yourself outside for a little bit. What I've been doing throughout the summer myself is, you know, as someone who loves walking, I'll normally go for my walk in the evening around 5.30 or 6 p.m. From October, it'll be dark around then. So I'll switch to walking around um, lunchtime once I've done my workout at the gym. Or I might move my work or my, my gym uh, routine around just to make sure I can spend as much time outside during daylight hours as possible. And once you do find a routine that works for you, stick to it as best you can. It means you'll still be doing everything you need to do for yourself without needing to put too much thought or mental energy into it. Next up, and it pains me to say this one as a lifelong introvert, but sometimes when you're feeling generally low, the company of other people can make a big difference. So it's worth trying to socialize a bit more. Friends or family are, of course, obvious choices. If you have a small social circle or like me, you're a bit isolated, then maybe doing something like joining a group fitness class to be around other people would be a good start. Maybe starting a new hobby that involves other people. So someone I know took up badminton recently and they've gotten to know other people in that group around the same time. You can try joining a meetup or finding a common interest group on meetup.com or on something like Eventbrite and try going to one of those. Sometimes you need one thing once or twice a week to give you that boost. You might not build some kind of deep lifelong connection with people, but getting out in a position where you chat to people can still help. I've tried to avoid it as long as possible because like I said, I'm a mega introvert if there is such a thing, but even I started trying to do it more. I am trying to get out. If I can do it, Honestly, anyone can. The last one, I'm going to talk about medical treatments very, very briefly. It's way, way, way outside the scope of qualifications on anything I can talk about. But if you do speak to a qualified professional, depending on your circumstances, they may recommend therapy such as psychotherapy or cognitive behavioral therapy, or in some cases, they might recommend antidepressants. That's pretty much all I want to say on this topic, because I do want to keep it in the bounds of what I should or shouldn't cover. But your doctor, your GP, or your therapist will be able to help talk through treatment options both the self-help, like some of the tips I've given you, and some more medically prescribed ones like therapy or antidepressants. So next up and last thing, how common is seasonal affective disorder? Now, if you are dealing with it, you're definitely not alone and it's not uncommon. A 2007 study estimated that 20% of Irish people have it. A 1984 study suggested that it's as common as 24.9% of people in Alaska. In the US, it's estimated that 6% suffer from SAD and another 14% have a general mood change, which they just classify as winter blues. So it does affect a lot of us, especially if you're in a place which sees dramatically different summer and winter climates. I'm in the UK. So for example, in peak summer or longest days of the year, we go from bright daylight from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. and temperature is typically on average sort of 20 to 25 degrees to winter where we have daylight from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. and temperatures zero to five degrees typically and usually gray and cloudy and raining if not snowy. So there's quite a big contrast between summer and winter. If you're in Florida or along the equator somewhere you probably don't have this quite the same seasonal shift. That doesn't mean you can't have SAD. 
It just means that one of the environmental circumstances that's likely to cause it is much less of a factor. And just to wrap up, I've covered some self-help tips to handle seasonal affective disorder, but if it is something that you are battling, please do not hesitate to reach out to a mental health or medical professional for specific actionable help and support. If you want to talk through any options, if you have any questions, please do feel free to contact me on the website, fitnessdrifter.com, where you can find me on social media, on Instagram, on Twitter, or on TikTok. My username on all three is fitnessdrifter, all one word.